Okay. Well, welcome. Here we are. You intrepid souls sledding out this morning. Thank you so much. It's kind of fun, isn't it? I mean, uh, well, in a Albertan Canadian kind of way, isn't it? Get to go out and, and practice snow shoveling and Albertans on ice as we drive on the roads. It's awesome. Okay, so welcome. If you're here for the first time, I'm, um, I'm Reverend Patrick Cameron. I'm the spiritual director here at the Center for Spiritual Living. And it is our delight and honor that you have answered the call to be with us this morning. So what I'm going to invite you to do is to, uh, in a moment, and I'd like to just coach you a little bit, if I have your permission. If you decide not to be open to that coaching, that's, that's, we still love you. Okay, so this is just an invitation, not an expectation. But what I'd like to do is drop us into our heart space and um, go into our silence. And then uh, I will offer a chant, which the words will be up on the screen behind me if you'd like to join me in that, feel free. Many know the song, so you'll hear a, a choir uh, that begins with that, which is lovely because many times I forget the words. And uh, you guys bail me out. You probably didn't know that, but uh, <clears throat> that's what sort of happens for me as we, we come into this energy. And uh, I'll offer a prayer. All right, so just settle where you are. If you can bring your awareness to this present moment. It's lovely. This is the only moment. And think of something, I'm going to suggest you think of something you're grateful for. Past, present. Could be a beloved brother or sister, grandparent, partner, child, grandchild. The warmth of your home. Your special place, whatever activates gratitude. The gratitude is that feeling tone that matches the, the unified field's feeling tone in a, the most exquisite and extraordinary way. It's a doorway. And so dropping that thought into your heart, feeling that heart warm, expand. And as we breathe, noticing the breath, the lungs and the body system, the self-system knows the right amount of air that is required each and every breath. And feeling that heart breathe. Imagining the heart breathing, the heart intelligence. And as it breathes, it expands beyond the physical body. And we connect with one another. And when we connect with one another, we connect with source. We connect with loving intelligence, with infinite divine intelligence that lives in and through and as each and every one of us. We are immersed in it, it is immersed in us. What a beautiful, beautiful practice. And so if your mind gets busy as we drop into the silence or drop into our song, just bring yourself back to the heart. Dissolve anything that is a distraction into the heart of unconditional love. So let's begin our silence with this beautiful chime that I'm about to sound.
In this very there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So I invite you to allow my words to be your words, and if they're not a good fit, just let them wash over you. What I affirm and know in this moment and what is alive for me is the recognition of this one presence, this one life, this one source, this one infinite loving intelligence. That source, that intelligence is our life, my life. It is the life force that sustains all of life here. And to connect with that in each one of us in our own infinite beautiful way is such a gift. And so in this recognition and this declaration that that life is my life, speaking in the I am now for each person here, that life is my life. And I know that I get to choose who I have come here to be. And as a community what we represent and why we exist and who we've come here to be. And so to continue to work with these principles and nurture them and give birth to them is such a beautiful practice of transformation. It is an ongoing, ever-expanding, ceaseless beauty and joy. Rumi, beautiful poet Rumi said, out beyond the, the ideas of right doing and wrong doing, there is a field. I will meet you there. And that field is the field of unconditional love. And so I know in this season of, of celebration of, of, of the, the darkness and the light, the contrast of the cold and the snow for us, whatever it may be, we know that it is all divinely ordained that each and every one of us is where we need to be, that this community is mobilized in a way like never before in its outreach and its care, its compassion for those less fortunate and to take our, the walls of our, our mission out into the world. So I know what a blessing. We are blessed by technology today, by music with ears to hear. Ears to hear, eyes to see, and hands and arms to hug. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. All righty. Well, there's the moon, and I'll be, there'll be another slide up there in a moment. So I want to just thank you um, for your, your going on this ride with me around the, uh, the spiral dynamics of uh, possibility. So today we're going to talk about the green meme, and the meme is a worldview. Ken Wilbur uh, coined the term boomeritis. So I want to talk about boomeritis today because um, all of these memes, all of these worldviews, all of the, the evolution of consciousness throughout time are very important 
And today, it's, a, it's a, the ending of the first tier is what it is. So the first stage in, this, the final stage in first tier consciousness, which is personal, it's around subsistence, and it's also ways of acting. So second tier is ways of being. And um, it's very exciting what's happening. It's very, very exciting. So Eckhart Tolle said this. He said, remember that your perception of the world is a reflection of your state of consciousness. You are not separate from it, and there is no objective world out there. Every moment your consciousness creates the world that you inhabit. That's good news. It can be troubling news if our life's not working well for us. But that's one of the, the core principles we stand upon. Consciousness precedes experience. So... I want to talk today about trans-narrative cognition a little bit, which is a new, phrase, a new term, and I'll touch on it briefly, and then I'll touch on it uh, throughout our, our um, discussion today. But trans-narrative cognition is really to understand and to go beyond our story. So we've all had stories, we've all had situations in our lives, and the trans-narrative cognition is to be able to go beyond that. It's transcendence, to rise above. It goes beyond a narrative that we previously had believed. It sig signifies the aha experience. We wake up, we have an awareness. Ah, I see this in a different way. And the moment, it's when the moment when the tumblers all line up for us so the, we, un, we can open the lock. And so it's a beautiful phrase. And, and part of it, is, it fits so well with this idea of the transformation of consciousness. So I want to share with you um, a trans-narrative cognition that I've been, become aware of. Well, I've noticed that when I go online and search for something, I, it, that, that immediately, as soon as I search for a particular thing, there's an algorithm that gets triggered, and all of a sudden, there are ads that start popping up based on a search that I've done. Has anybody had that experience? Yeah. It's very annoying, isn't it? Yeah, some days it's like, some days I have to do a cue sheet because it's so annoying. I feel like my privacy is being invaded. Like George Orwell, 1984, Big Brother's watching all the time. Ah, all the th so that can be part of it. But the aha, the trans-narrative cognition in it, the aha in it is that I am being shown, you and I are being shown exactly where we are placing our attention. Mmm, a murmur, a, a murmur went over the crowd. It's showing me what I'm interested in. I was looking for a, a vehicle for several months. Oh, my gosh. Every time I opened up my computer, it was this ad and this ad and this ad. And finally, you know, I wanted to just say, yeah, hey, well, I bought one. It's okay. It's over. But it still, took, it still took another 90 days for him to get the clue that, uh, you know, that search was over. But this, the, the aha with this is this is what life does. This is exactly what life does. Have you noticed that? It, it mirrors back to me where I've been placing my attention. It just does. I mean, it's, it, it's such an example of, you know, what's out in the world. The technology is just showing us exactly how this whole process works of where we, as, uh, as Tolle said, remember that your perception of the world is a reflection of your state of consciousness. You are not separate from it. There's no objective world out there. Every moment your consciousness creates the world that you inhabit. And the internet is showing this, that very thing. And it's irritating. I get just as irritated when life is mirroring back to me what I'm giving my attention to when it's not lining up with my cue card, without my ideal. Has anybody had that experience? <laughs> this isn't who I came here to be. 
So it's very interesting. So in other words, if a vegan, if an, a vegan animal rights activist and an avid hunter and responsible gun owner Google, go on, uh, online and Google gun rights, what do you, will they get the same results? No. What do you mean probably? No, they will not. There's a whole algorithm for both of them. If you have one guy in this end of the political spectrum and one guy in this end of the political spectrum and they, and they Google a, a political personality, their searches will be completely different, the results, because of the algorithms that have been laid down. So the danger in this is all of a sudden all we're seeing is the stuff that appeals to us. And there's a danger in that. I have to make a confession that I don't really enjoy Fox News. But I realize I've got to start watching Fox News and, and praying through the whole thing. Because I get triggered by that. And I need to work my way through that because I don't want to be part of the problem as I push away from it. Because we're all in this together. We all latch onto a story, but I realize, you know what, I need to watch more of this and, and, and bring a perspective that, that is healthy rather than my pushing it away and pushing it away. Because otherwise, all I'm doing is here on the one side. And that both sides have valuable points. Both sides want the same thing at the end of the day. But that's one of the dangers. This happened with my mom before she made her transition. She would watch nothing but things that I, I didn't want to hear and didn't want to be part of, but she was scared. And so she, was, she gravitated, gravitated towards stories that reinforced her fear. And I, I just couldn't talk her out of it. But that wasn't my job, but I thought it was. I thought I could fix her. I fix my mom. How's that work for you? Ever tried fixing your mom? <laughs> oh, so anyway, but isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how life, life mirrors back for us who we are? It's in metaphysics and in, in the way it works. It's, the, it's on the internet now. Fascinating. Fascinating. It's called living in a social media bubble, and we can live in an echo chamber where we only hear what we agree with. And nowhere do we see this bubble immersion demonstrated more clearly, this ties in with this idea of green today, more clearly than in people sharing the same cultural values inherent in the dominant social paradigm that they're centered in, and especially in the ones that, are going to, that we're going to talk about today. As we move up the rung of the ladder of consciousness and examine the next paradigm shift, and I hope that we, as we go through this series of exploration, you are having some of your own trans-narrative cognitive experiences, rising above the story, seeing it in a new way. The terms we're using today, as I mentioned, is boomeritis, which was coined by Ken Wilber. So in recent weeks, we've looked at, we've looked at, here we go, we've looked at these various colors that represent the spiral dynamic. I'm just gonna touch on them briefly. But we've looked at them, and what's occurred throughout history, we can compare to our own individual development. So we started with Bayes 250,000 years ago. It, it emerged. But it's part of our growing and learning to understand when our center of gravity is occupying one of these worldviews, because this is the way we see the world through this unique perspective. So if you're in survival mode, you can, you're in survival mode. At least you know now that you're in survival mode. Or perhaps some of your energy is, is in survival mode. And then we go back to purple, which is 50,000 years ago, which is tribal. So we, rather than live alone, we, we got together in groups. It's about magical thinking. It's also about uh, loving the magic of life, the wonder and the magic of life. I mean, the, a new snowfall like this really is kind of magical. You know, we're watching our three-year-old granddaughter get ready for Christmas. She's on, in um, London... Um, Ontario right now, but it's quite, quite magical. You know, we FaceTime with her, and she's running around the house showing us the Christmas tree and all these things. It's a magical time for her. 
And then we have red, which is the warrior, which is I matter. And uh, that showed up about 10,000 years ago. The blue is 5,000 years ago. That's the rule of law. We need, we need order. So red was the Wild West. Blue was, hey, let's, let's knock this off, guys. We need some rules around here. We need some structure. Then there's orange 300 years ago. And orange is very much about industry. It's the Industrial Revolution. It's democracy. It's capitalism. It's, it's more is better. More, 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 more. It's acquisition. Then there's green 150 years ago. And then as we move on, we're moving into now yellow and turquoise. And who knows what's next. So we're going to focus on, um, on green today. And it's the final one of the first tier, but it is not the final, it's not the end of the journey by any stretch of the imagination. But it's a worldview that is pivotal. The green is pivotal to our own evolution because our tribe, our group, is primarily green. And I'll give you some of the characteristics of green. And there's healthy green and there's unhealthy green. So it's an exciting time for us, to, for us and the opportunity exists to start asking, asking the question, how can you and I usher this new state of worldview and state of being into existence? Because it's, it's going to happen. The great thing, as I said a few weeks ago, is it's always happened. All of, these, all of these memes have happened as a result of the structures that we have now don't work anymore. And so it's to give birth to the new. Isn't that freeing to know? Isn't it truly freeing to stand and know that something, there's an intelligence that is that's moving all of us forward collectively in some way that's meaningful? To step out of the day-to-day and the fears and anxiety that we have and to realize that we are, as our, our cue card says, for our community. We have come here. We have been sent here at this point in time for a specific reason. To be part of birthing, I believe, birthing this new consciousness, this new way of being, not this new way of acting. And we need every one of these stages. Not, not, none of them are bad and wrong. It's either we're in them healthy or we're in, in them in an unhealthy way. And so I'm just so honored and delighted that we can walk this path together and talk about it and see what's, what's unfolding. Because it is cutting edge. It's revolutionary. But it's happening. It always has happened. It will continue to happen, despite what's going on out in the world. So once again, how can you and I help usher in this new, this new worldview, this new state of being? So green is a cultural meme, and green is the answer to orange, because orange was very, very important. We had to have orange. We had to get into this mechanistic system to, of mass production, of, of commerce, of capitalism, of democracy. All of that was, 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 being, uh, was asking to be revealed. And green says, so green comes along and says, okay, I got all the toys. I got everything I could possibly want. Is this all there is? Is this all there is? There must be something more. But, but because green started to not carry that and, and, it, and started to break down in a certain way for many, green emerged. So blue believes that authority is right. So if you know anybody that really is tied to authority, they're, they're pretty much centered in their gravity. Their center of gravity is in blue. Orange says whatever works or doesn't work dictates the rules. Rather than it's a certain way that we got to do it, it's like, let's do it whatever way it works. And green says, there's more to life than material success. So in our individual development, our focus shifts from striving, acquiring energy of orange, to an interior exploration, searching for meaning. So I put another slide together here for you, and I'll, let me pull the other colors up as well. So it's probably tough to read this, but I'll just walk you through it again. And so what... what they've laid out is zero to 18 months is our infancy as we develop in our human uh, capacity. And obviously, I went off the slides here. My apologies for that. So beige, 
the, the, the bumper sticker for beige is I survive. And then we go from 18 months to three years old, toddler, toddler which is purple. And it says, I belong. We find our tribe. We belong to something. And then we go to three to six years old, and that's the development of the ego. I matter would be the bumper sticker, the theme for that stage of development. Then we go to seven to eight years old, our school years, blue. I learn the rules. When you come to this school, there's rules. This is how we do this. You learn how to collaborate and, and, and uh, cooperate and how it works. And then you get the rules down, seven to eight years old, the school, or the uh, nine to 14 years old, orange. I strive. I want this. I'm going to be this. I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. And 15 to 21 years old is the green. I care. Yellow doesn't have any of this. Yellow and turquoise are not contingent upon an age. It's not a developmental, it's a consciousness, a way of being. So we can have children that show up that are at a very high level of consciousness. It's quite beautiful. So green is a <coughs> aware of social inequity, the perils of consumerism. Green is all about human rights and, and equality, honoring of diversity, being socially responsible. Here's another uh, chart of it. And it's uh, survival is uh, at the bottom, security is purple, energy and power is red, order is blue, success is orange, community is green, synergy is yellow, and holistic life support is turquoise. So when I come back, somebody will be gone for a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about tier two. Because it's really exciting stuff. It's beautiful stuff. And it ties in so beautifully with this whole, this whole idea of consciousness. So healthy green, an interior search for meaning. Green is very aware of social inequality, the perils of consumerism, human rights inequality, honoring of diversity, being socially responsible, care for the environment, breaking free of roles, acceptance, connection, consensus. So that sounds pretty good. Isn't it great? There's no better, there's no better color than green, would you say? Yeah, it's the best, right? It's the best one. Let's all dress up in green and let's go for a march. Come on. Okay, well, you guys think about that and get back to me in a couple of weeks. So here's unhealthy green. Unhealthy green, what happens in unhealthy green is tri triangulation. I remember years ago when I first got here, Mary, I was watching Mary Manamorsi talks and getting all of her information, and she talked about triangulation in community. And one of the outstanding characteristics of green when it's unhealthy is person A goes to person B to talk about person C. Has anybody ever had that experience? Remember getting up and doing a talk about it. Didn't make a bit of difference. Person A would still go to person B to talk about person C. But it's one of the, one of the outstanding characteristics. And why do we do that? Why would I not want to come to you and tell you? Because when people come to me and say, you know what so-and-so said about you? This is what happened almost weekly. You know what so-and-so said about you? And I say, I don't really care what so-and-so said about me. Have so-and-so come and tell me themselves. Have, send them to me. Go back and say, please go and talk to uh, Reverend Patrick. Never happened. Never happened. You know why? Because in green, our feelings are so much more important than anything else. And God forbid we should uh, upset somebody. So we withhold, we don't, we don't tell the truth, we don't say what's going on, we don't ask the questions that we should ask. And so we just, we get into this, this triangulation. Fear of rejection and disapproval. Once again, ties into triangulation, but it's very, very much about, I don't want to be, I want to be part of the group, I don't want to be kicked out of the group, I got I to gotta toe the line here. Lack of holding people accountable. Once again, I go back to the example of triangulation. This is hard stuff to be in healthy green. It's not easy. See, but I think what this world requires right now is fierce love. See, when they talk about, we're going through a lot of stuff with the organization right now around diversity, and I think it's really, really important. 
I think, I think to understand and to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes is really important to have compassion because we're all in this together. But the other piece of it is there's, we've got to develop resiliency because we're going to confront people throughout our lifetime in groups and organizations that do not agree with our pr- perspective. And rather than, than, than be crushed by it or feel like we have to push back and fight it, to really understand that at the depth of their being, that's their self-system. And to understand that if I had that self-system, I would be doing exactly the same thing, which opens up, I talked about this last week, it opens up compassion. You know what, if I had the belief system, if I had the, the d- domestication that that person has, I would do the same thing. And all of a sudden, you see it from a different perspective. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to fix your mom. You don't have to fix your friend. You don't have to fix your partner. You realize they've got a different self-system. But that is so hard to do. Yeah, it's a lack of holding people accountable. You don't want to exclude anybody. So everybody's got to go along. I was talking to Dr. Gary Simmons this week about the program. I said, how's it going with uh, unity? With the unity movement, because they're mission-centric. They all want mission-centric. They just don't want to do this work. Every time I talk to them, I say, it's a lot of heavy lifting. God bless our, our board of trustees and their willingness to go through these meetings and the coaching and the, and the shifting and changing, because there's much of it. We want to fix it. We see the problem, we want to fix it. And yet to fix it, we're just bringing the old system with us. And we're birthing something. That's why we're doing the Q process. That's why we're doing spirit groups. That's why we're doing all these new things. It's beautiful. But anyway, I said, how's it going with the Unity Churches? He said, I don't want to work with them. He said, they take so long to make a decision. Everybody's got to agree. Every person to the last person has to agree. He said, it's never going to happen over there. And I said, wow. He said, I'd rather work with CSL. And I thought, holy cow. And I thought we were agreeing. So anyway, just letting you know, it's all good. But it's good to know these things, right? And if people aren't willing to get on board, they're not willing to get on board. We can always go back to this. We can stay here in unhealthy green. No one would complain. We just, we just have our stories to tell about one another. <clears throat> Politically correct to a fault. Politically correct to a fault. You know, we're driving people crazy by being politically correct. Once again, resilience is very helpful. We realize that's their self-system. They use language and have attitudes that I don't agree with. But I don't, have to, I don't have to break them. I don't have to uh, make them bad and wrong. I can just realize, I don't, that doesn't represent me. That's one of my favorite phrases when people try to enroll me in, into agreement. I'll say, that idea doesn't represent who I am. That's all I got. I got me. I'm taking care of me here. You take care of you. If you need to, me to agree with you, you're going to be disappointed. And I don't expect you to agree with me. But I'm telling you, I respect your opinion and your right to have it, and I will fight for your right to have that opinion because we need that. But I'm not going to agree with you. See, that takes takes some consciousness and commitment and some understanding of who we are and how we can be in relationship in a healthy way. So high tolerance for dysfunction. And we'll see. You know, I'll just bring that up once in a while as it keeps popping up until it doesn't pop up anymore. So how can we help usher this new state of worldview, the mean, this new state of being into existence? All right, we already talked about healthy and unhealthy green. So what happens is we can have orange and green in balance. This is the good news. Let me give you an example. A young guy applies for a job, and it requires a lot of really good orange qualities. See, without orange, green doesn't have anywhere to go. Because if, if we said, let's, let's build a church, and we're all in green... We would have a pile of bricks and lumber sitting there till, till Edmonton froze over. I was going to use hell froze over, but hell doesn't exist, so Edmonton froze over. 
But the point is, you got to have the engineers, and you got to have the guys that can pour the foundation, and you got to have the bricklayers. Now, you can have a bricklayer that loves laying bricks. I worked with the bricklayers and the blocklayers for a number of years as a young man for summer jobs. And I'll tell you, I couldn't keep up with those guys because it was 7 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock every night, just like here. You got you to you build when you got to, the space and the time and the weather. And then those guys would go to the bar till midnight. And I did that for one time. I went one time to the bar with them. And I was drunk the next morning when I went to work. So the next day I said, fellas, I'm not going to join you at the bar because I think this is going to kill me. <laughs> and you can call me a wimp, but I'm here to work as hard as I can. I couldn't do it. But anyway, the point being, I digress. Yeah, we got to have both. So this young guy applies for a job. Let me get back to my story. He applies for a job, and you need, he's got to be grounded in orange, and he's also got to have heart. So they give him a hypothetical, and everybody gets the hypothetical. So he says, you're driving along, it's a big snowstorm. How appropriate for today, a big snowstorm. And you're in your two-seat sports car. And as you're driving along, you see a woman that had performed the Heimlich maneuver on your mother and saved her life in a restaurant one time. She's broken down by the side of the road, and she needs help. And right in front of her is this very, very elderly woman, very fragile, and her car is stuck, and she needs help. And then you drive a little bit further, you're slowing your car down, and you look and said, there's the love of your life. There's the love of your life. What do you do? And the guy thought, the young man thought, and he said, he said, I, I, I stop, I give the keys to the woman that saved my mother's life. I ask her to give the lady, the elderly lady, a ride home. And then I wait at the bus stop with the love of my life for the bus. See, that's orange and green. It's not either or. We can, we can be resourceful and we can, we can problem solve. You know, there's a guy, a great example. This is Steve Sandy right here. Steve is very orange, but he's also very green. He's got a huge heart. He's over there at the Heart Center right now helping people. Oh, just, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm in awe of of Steve sometimes, but we can, we can do both, see? We can, we can have, see, there's nothing wrong with having money, but it's also about using it in ways that, that balance it, you see? And this is our opportunity to understand it. It's not a bad thing, we just, we need both, we need both of these, so what we need is, we need the cufflings and the peace signs, and I, it took me a long time to find this, but I wanna share this with you. There you go, we need both. I think we should start having our own uh, line of cufflinks with peace. Uh, I think someone's beat us to it, by the way. So, another idea of this is that we have to, we can't stay, we, ha <clears throat> we have to integrate or include all of this in the way we're being. And it becomes, otherwise it becomes our shadow. We've talked a lot about shadow. If, you, if we have an addiction to another worldview, so we're stuck in a worldview, then we haven't transcended it or successfully differentiated from the element and it shows up in our inability to disidentify exclusively from a former self. So let me give you an example, because that's a lot of words, big words, real fast. Let's say you're stuck in toddlerhood, but you happen to be 45 years old. Doesn't work, does it? It's an extreme example, but, but we know people, listen, believe me, I've met people stuck in toddlerhood. John, John Maxwell, a great teacher, was a minister for years, San Diego had a huge church. He said, most people don't want to be transformed. They just want to be burped. <laughs> I 
So what happens is it requires a transnarrative cognitive moment so that we can rise above the story so that now I can see the depth of my perception, my projection. And this is how the transcendent part works. If you see something you didn't see before, you widen your perspective to a larger view. So as we go up the rungs of the ladder of consciousness and understand it and see it, we have a larger perspective and we're able to hold both. We can stay in the center and hold both, realize it's an extreme over here and an extreme over here and understand it but not have to, not have to comply or buy in to feel good about it, but to simply understand it. Jesus said it in another way. He said, be in the world, but not of the world. Because there were many opinions when he was walking the planet as well. But the work doesn't end there, this larger perspective. Our minds are very adept at rationalizing, making up stories, blaming. And when we catch ourselves doing that, it can be very easy. So this is the other trap. We can blame, we can shame, and all of a sudden we decide we're going to stop that. It's very easy to, to turn all of that projection that shame, the blame, to ourselves. And that doesn't work either. That's not acceptable either. So it takes the deeper intelligence. So how do we get there? It takes the deeper intelligence of the heart. We can't get there with our heads. The heart. That's why the the work with the Q and the work with Joe Dispenza and the heart math that Lewis is going to be teaching in the New Year are so important. It takes us to tap into the intelligence of the heart because the heart can get us there. The mind can't. The mind, we need the mind. It's part of it. But it's the, it's the depth of the heart intelligence to move into compassion for ourselves and for anyone else that we may be judging. This awareness can be mon- monumental in how we can shift our awareness. So one of the great tools I want to uh, talk, I was reminded this week in a conversation I had with somebody. So you all know the story of Ho'oponopono? You know that story? Okay, good. I'm not going to tell you the story then. You can Google it if you haven't heard it because I'm running out of time here. But this is really Ho'oponopono. We see it out there and we forgive it in here. And the the prayer in Ho'oponopono is I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. So we can, when we get triggered, we can go to the Ho'oponopono. We can do a cue sheet. If they don't have time to do a cue sheet, and we're driving down the street and we get triggered, we do a whole oponoponopono because we are connected. And when we can wash this through and not let us uh, uh, take us back into a spin, it's so powerful. It's so freeing. This is, I see it out there. I have compassion for it. And I have so much compassion for myself within here that I can, I can just look at it and I can offer my forgiveness. I'm sorry this is happening to you. I'm sorry this has been your experience. It's just compassion. It's not pitying them. It's having empathy because we're all connected. That suffering is all of our suffering. And to wash it clean, to understand how powerful we are, how unstoppable we are. It's not trivial. It's transformative. So we see it out there and we, we wash it clean here. We forgive it here. See it out there. This is our work. This, and this doesn't mean that any corrupt action, so this projection thing, any corrupt action you see out there, is, it doesn't mean that it's a reflection of who we are. Keep that in mind. It's not a straight line with this. Or it's directly linked to our own personal history. If you, so if you find yourself, so here, here's if you get triggered, if you find yourself stomping around your living room, screaming at the television screen, that's probably something you haven't integrated. Okay? That's a clue. Because you'll drive yourself crazy taking on the responsibility for the whole world every time you get triggered. There are things that annoy me every day. But I have to, and I ask myself, is this something I need to do a cue sheet? 
on. And if it's a, the answer I get is yes, I do a cue sheet. If it's no, I just say, okay, that's, that's part of the world that I don't agree with. I'm talking about, we're talking about paper cuts right now, as, as, as uh, Dr. Gary and Reverend Jane talk about, because they hold the potential for incredible depth of healing. If you're being highly triggered, that's a clue, take a look. But take a look with compassion, with self-forgiveness. Use the cue process to integrate and differentiate. Rumi said this. I'll leave this as my last slide today. Keep knocking, and the joy inside will eventually open a window and look out to see who's there. Rumi is just such an amazing mystic. You go online, you want to read some great quotes. I, I was pulling this quote up this morning, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is a career here. I'm just going to memorize Rumi poetry and hit the road. <laughs> it's just so amazing. What a guy. Because the story, gang, the story is one of joy. The story is one of joy. It really is. We've all got our stories. We've all had our heartbreaks, our disappointments, our upsets. But this is, we signed up for this. We came here for this. And, and for us to, be, to know this and understand our evolution and to realize, wow, this is all necessary now because it's all breaking down so that we can give birth to yellow. We can give birth to this. And so we're going to talk about first, we're going to talk about second tier when I get back because it's so exciting. <clears throat> Throughout history, each one of these paradigm shifts was revolutionary. Each one of these, beige to purple, purple to red, red to blue, blue to orange, orange to green, all revolutionary, all cutting edge. We're in the midst of this, and we're up for it. We are up for this. And it doesn't have to be grand. It's all that interior work, that washing clean. If you can't do a cue sheet, ho'oponoponoam. I love you. I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. It's so important to be grateful for each worldview. Each worldview, because the suffering and adequacy of each stage provided the fuel for the next stage. Isn't it great to know that? We haven't done anything wrong. I just wrote a letter to my brothers and sisters. We got an older sister that's really struggling, and they're going back and forth and blaming and shaming it. I just said, guys, let her have her experience, please. Just love her and pray for her. We're not, we're not going to fix this. She's not asking to be fixed. She's suffering. But I'm so grateful that I can offer a perspective that I think is adds some sanity because I watch this spin of projection and shame and guilt that goes on. Shame and guilt will kill us. I've got a whole family of origin that it's just about killed. And, I'm, and I have compassion for it. And I love them. And I said, I'm praying for her. And I tell you what, mom and dad are both made their transition. They're praying for her too. So she can't see herself as whole and complete and healthy and happy, but we can. And I don't know if that makes any difference to them, but it makes a world of difference to me because I refuse to see her as broken. So I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for going on this journey with me. This is exciting stuff we're doing. This is exciting stuff. We're here for a reason. So let's, let's bring our best. We're doing all kinds of great things for Christmas. We're going to have a Christmas meal here for people that are alone this Christmas, because Laura and I will be alone. All of our kids are all over the place, and we wanted to share that. And I said, we only have four extra chairs at the table. Let's do it at the center. We've got families we're supporting. Les is helping us with our men's group, our spirit group. Got spirit group cookies back there. I helped make those spirit group cookies. They're blessed. So check one out. But thank you so much for, for your love. Uh, we'll, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. We've got the teens coming next week, and then we've got Amy Bishop coming up from... Uh, 
practitioner and extraordinary musician coming up. Uh, and uh, uh, well, I think Amy's coming next week, isn't she? The ninth. Amy will be here next week. So show up and, and uh, shine your light. Thanks so much. See you soon. Bye-bye.